Good morning, Calvary Chapel, and a happy new year to all of you. 2015, there was a time I wasn't sure I'd make it this far, but God is is very good and very gracious. If you're visiting today, we're so thankful to have you, and we are going to be taking a look into God's Word. If you did not bring a Bible with you, we'd like you to have one so you can follow along. So just raise your hand, and someone will bring one to you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just come before you now, acknowledging that that there is nothing in us worthy of you. We thank you so much, Lord, that you have given us a book. Where would we be without that book, Lord? And we pray by your Holy Spirit that you just speak to us this morning. Teach us, show us, Lord, each and every heart here, Lord, we all have needs, and we need you, and we need to hear from you, and we pray, Lord, that by your Holy Spirit, that that would happen this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are continuing the four-part series that Steve started last Sunday, Stop Loafing and Start Reading. And it is our hope that these studies will inspire us more to get into God's Word to study, to meditate, to memorize in 2015. Um, Wednesday night, if you were here, we, we read through the whole Psalm 119. It was pretty amazing. And uh, the fourth um, part in the series is going to be this coming Wednesday night, and Rick McIver is going to teach also something about the importance of God's Word. So I am probably preaching to the choir. I'm sure many of you are faithful students of God's word. But I think, you know, when we, when we stand before Jesus, he's not going to say, you know, you read your Bible. You just read your Bible too much, right? You should have watched more TV. You know, that's not going to happen. So I think this can apply to all of us that we all need to, to be more faithful students in God's word. <clears throat> now, why bother with the Bible? No, uh, you see, maybe some of you have come out of churches or been part of churches where the Bible wasn't such a key, important thing. That you would have topical sermons, you would have little life lessons and things, but the Bible wasn't honored, respected, and taught like we attempt to do it here. So, so why bother? Why is it so important? Well, first of all, is God, through his word, tells us that it's important and tells us we should do it. In uh, 2, Timothy, 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show yourself approved unto God a workman that needs not to be ashamed, <clears throat> rightly dividing the word of truth. So in that verse, the Apostle Paul is telling Timothy that he needs to study it, to study it. A workman, it is work to study the Bible. It's not like you read a magazine or you read a novel. It's actually, it's actually work to get in there and dig into it. God talks to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So it shall not depart from your mouth. We should be talking about it. We should be reading it, reading it out loud. Perhaps they were quoting it. Uh, meditate in it day and night. We're going to talk more about meditating in God's word, spending time in it. 
observe to do according to all that is written in it. We're not talking so much this morning about obeying the word. We're focusing more on delighting in it and meditating on it. But there's no, re- no use doing that if we're not obeying it. So we also have to obey. For then you will make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. This is not talking about financial or worldly prosperity and worldly success. It's talking about a spiritual prosperity, bearing fruit unto God. And, and that's what we want. That's what we hope for. So God's word tells us we need to study it. And then I found, I looked through and I found like seven benefits that we get when we dig into God's word. There's probably more. This is just seven's a nice number. We get to know Jesus better. We get to, to know Jesus through his word. In John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Verse 14, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus, in a sense, is this word of God. And he's, he gave us a book. It, never, it just doesn't cease to blow my mind that God gave us a book. And through this book, it just opens so much up to us. And we get to know Jesus better. And hopefully we get, we get to become more like Jesus as we study and as we dig into it. The second one, it increases our faith. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If there is a lack of faith in your life, if you think, you know, I need more faith for this or for that, then just dig into the word more. It comes through hearing the word of God. We get guidance and direction from the world, from the word. We live in a world that is spiritually dark. And Psalm 119, 105, many of you know this, your word is a lamp to my feet, a light unto my path. There's been many times in my, in my own life when we have not known what to do. And by praying and seeking the Lord, he just highlights some scripture to us. It's, it's supernatural. And it shines a light to show where that next step is, where we go. And we don't stumble in darkness. We have the light of his word. God's word feeds us and makes us alive spiritually. Matthew 4, for man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And these words from the mouth of God we have written down for us. Thank the Lord. In John 6, 63, Jesus said, it is the spirit that quickeneth, means makes alive. It is the spirit that makes alive. The flesh profits nothing. This material world is nothing. And he says the words that I speak to you, they are spirit, and they are life. We get peace from God's word. Uh, 119, Psalm 119, 165. Great peace have they that love your law, and nothing shall offend them. If you are easily offended, if you have a problem with anger, if you get your feelings hurt all the time, get more into the word. That's a promise. Great peace have they that love your law. Nothing shall offend them. Also, joy is promised to us from God's word. John 15, verse 11. Jesus is talking to his disciples. These things have I spoken to you. He spoke, they wrote it down, we read it. These things have I spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Not just a little joy, but full joy, fullness of joy. 
And that's just one of the reasons that God gave us these words. The last one I have down here, number seven, is freedom, spiritual freedom. John 8, 31 and 32. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. We are free from the lies and bondages that this culture, that our society, that even ourselves put us in. And that freedom comes through the word of God. So I'm just going to stop and give a few practical tips about you know, how to spend more time in the Word. Uh, Steve has been talking about these little bookmarks, and if you haven't gotten one they, and want one, they're available on the information table. And I've used one of these for years. What these folks have done, they've taken the Bible and divided it up into daily reading assignments or topics, not, not, more, you know, not more like assignments, and they start with Genesis. They go through Genesis and they go to Matthew and then back to Exodus in the Old Testament and then to Mark in the New Testament. And it's just three or four chapters a day and uh, about 20 minutes a day, a normal reading speed, you'll read through the Bible in a year. And another thing that many folks here have been doing for the past few years is this um, daily Bible. And, the, and I've, I started this back in October when it got to the New Testament, and I'm reading it through it this year. The man who put this together, he put the Bible in chronological order. And if you read it a bit, you know it's not in chronological order. In a lot of places you get confused as to what happened when. And then he divided it into 365 days with the date on it. And there's also some study guides, there's some notes to help you piece it together. And I have I really uh, enjoyed this, this year. In fact, I am, um, this is Diane's copy. I'm actually using, I've got the same book on my Kindle. Now, this is an amazing device, and, and I love this thing. I've got so many books on here that I couldn't probably fit them in my car. But I found out recently, I knew this, but I hadn't used it before, that in the morning when I do my exercises, I can actually turn this thing on, and it'll read it to me. It's not the best voice, you know, Mr. Kendall here, you know, he doesn't, but, but it's good and I can focus on it and it helps me redeem the time so much. And don't get condemned if you start one of these or start this thing and you, you get behind. You know, it's not meant to be legalistic. It's not meant to make you feel bad. I, I hate getting behind, so I, start, I started two weeks ago. I read January 18th this morning. So I, I have some cushion. But if you do get behind, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it takes you 13 months or if it takes you two years. Maybe you want to read slower and soak it up. The thing is, is, is that you do it and, and you get into it. Now, I, I totally love my iPod. And uh, before I had, I had this job, I had a job where I was driving about three hours a day. And I just loaded that iPod up with the Bible, with uh, teachings from some of my favorite teachers, and I got hours of word time every day just, just from that. And, of course, if you've got this, uh, one of these magic things, with about three touches on this touch screen, I can be listening to one of Pastor Steve's sermons. And you can do it while you're exercising, you know, while you're cooking dinner. If you have an interest and a hunger, there's all kinds of ways, ways to get into it. 
And I just wanted to, you know, share some of those practical things because we don't all have time to sit down an hour every morning and, and study it. So, now what if you are new to the Bible? Perhaps you had just started coming to church here or you just decided to follow Jesus and you, you pick this thing up. I mean, it's over a thousand pages, right? And, and there's some sections in here that you start reading you know, you don't know if you have it upside down or right side up. So I would suggest to you, don't even try to read through it in a year. Go to the New Testament, to the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read what? Read about Jesus. And however slow or however fast you want to do it, just read about Jesus and pray and ask God to speak to you. And when you finish those Gospels, read them again. You cannot read them too much. And then after that, maybe go through the New Testament. So you... So because we are suggesting reading through it in a year, you know, your situation may be different. It's not, uh, you know, that's not one of our rules here, that you have to read through it in a year, but you do need to read it. So let's, um, let's talk a little bit about why we don't read the Bible. And I think sometimes it's a plain lack of interest. If we are interested in something, if we love something, we'll generally make the time for it. So why would we not be interested? And I think, unfortunately, some, one reason that some of us may not be interested in it is because we're not saved. We don't know the Lord. Uh, this is uh, 1 Corinthians 2.14. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolish, foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So basically what he's saying here is that, is that the natural man, the man that has not been born again, does not understand these things of God that are in the Bible. And you can read it all day long, and if you, you, you not, don't have God's Spirit, God's Holy Spirit in your heart, you're not going to get it. It's a little bit, there's a college student, the last century, who was, she was in a literature class. And she was studying this book that she hated. She just could not, she didn't like it, she was bored, she thought it was the worst book ever, and complained a lot about it. And then one day she went to class, and the author of the book was there. The professor invited the author to come and speak, and he spoke and just blew her away. She got to talk to him, shake his hand, meet him a little bit, and next week she came to class, she'd read the whole book. She couldn't stop talking about it. And a friend says, why? I thought you hated this book. He said, oh, she said, but I've met the Arthur. I've met the Arthur. And you see, when you meet the Arthur of this book, when you turn over your life to Jesus Christ and turn from your sins, and you know the Arthur, then it's completely different. It's so different. Now, what if you are saved? You know you're born again, right? You're saved, but you still just kind of blah, blah. I'm just not really interested. I study when I come to church, and, and that's enough. And, you know, there may be many reasons why we might feel that way. One is discouragement. You know, we can get discouraged, and when we're discouraged, the things of, the God just, things of God just don't interest us. Um, you could have been bored by some previous experience or, or turned off to God's Word. Maybe you had a pastor or a parent that just tried to force it down your throat. And it did not come with love and grace. And for that reason, you've lost interest. 
And another reason is because you could be feeding on the wrong spiritual food. If you've been reading magazines and newspapers and watching TV and and, uh, not that any of that's bad, but if that is the main thing that you're putting into your heart and your mind, you can lose the taste for what is really good for you. And it's the same thing in in a physical diet. We can get to love all that sugar and all that salt, right? And then, you know, the broccoli just doesn't seem so good unless you pour some cheese sauce on it, right? (laughs) I think the same thing happens spiritually. The same thing happens spiritually. It's like the doctor says you've got high blood pressure, you've got to lay off the salt. So, man, you've been putting salt on everything. So the first week, it's like, salt tastes like cardboard. But you persevere because it's your health at stake, right? And then after a couple of weeks, three weeks, oh, this, this tastes really good. Because the true natural flavors start to come out. And I think it's the same thing with the Word of God. If you are, you know, following God, are a Christian, and you lack a hunger for it, then say, God, give me this hunger. We can't make ourselves love something, right? It's like, you know, I'm supposed to love God's Word. You know, you can't make yourself love anything. Love has to, has to come, and for us it has to come from God. Pray and ask God to give us a love. And then just start. You know, like going on that no-salt diet. You just have to start and start reading and be faithful and don't give up. Now, another reason some of us don't spend time is because we have a lack of time. Or we say we have a lack of time. Now, I think if we're truly interested, I think, you know, having an interest will solve that problem. So we won't spend much time now. So I'm going to just read a whole bunch of verses, um, from, mostly from Psalm 119, on delighting in God's word and loving God's word. Actually, the first one is Psalm 112, verse 1. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. Delighting greatly in God's commandments. A few pages over, Psalm 119, 16. I will will delight myself in your statues. I will not forget your word. 24. Your testimonies are my delight and my counselors. 47. And I will delight myself in your commandments, which I love. Verse 70. The heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in your law. Now we know that law, testimony, statutes, these are all synonyms for God's word. 72. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of coins of gold and silver. You're probably not thinking a lot about coins of gold and silver, but what about money? Money is something we spend a lot of time thinking about. But the law of your mouth is better to me than money, is what he is saying. Verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. 103. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. 127. Therefore, I love your commandments more than gold. Yes, than fine gold. More than money. Yes, than lots of money. Uh, Job said, he said, neither have I gone back. I see. Uh, I love the words of your mouth more than my necessary food. So for Job, he said... He loved God's word more than the necessary food, more than the food. 
he needed to survive. 162, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. What if you were to find great treasure? What if you were to find out that an unknown relative died and left you $100,000? Would you kind of be rejoicing? I'd be rejoicing. He says, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. 174. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Now, I, I, I love God's word, but I don't think I love it like this guy does. You know? But I want to. I want to. And, and my prayer, not exactly a resolution, my prayer and hope for 2015 is that I will delight in God's word, that I will love it more than I do. And you know, I think God will answer that prayer. Let's turn to Psalm 1. We're going to read through the psalm and, and take a look at it verse by verse. Psalm 1 is definitely one of my favorite psalms. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the paths of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So verse 1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. This word blessed means happy. So it's saying we're happy if we don't do these things. And basically it's saying that we don't hang out with ungodly people, that we don't listen to their counsel, we don't listen to their advice. Now it doesn't mean that we won't be around ungodly people. Because we, we, we have jobs. We have schools. You know, we, everywhere we go, there are many people who do not know the Lord. But it, it, all, it means we're not to be hanging out with them just to hang out with them. We should be around these people, but if we're filling up with God's word, it's going to overflow and influence them. But if you spend all your time, you know, hanging out with your ungodly friends or watching ungodly TV or listening to ungodly music. And in my case, sometimes I end up watching ungodly news. Well, it's just news, you know, but it doesn't always, you know, help me grow spiritually, right? I, I can get too much into that. So if, if we step back, if we step away from that, right? And verse 2, his delight, her delight, is in the law of the Lord, in God's word. And in his law, he meditates day and night. So we delight in this. We ask God to give us a delight and love for it. And then we meditate day and night. Now, I don't think meditating in God's word is like East, Eastern religion meditation. No, I don't think we are to sit in some position and chant. And I'm sure many of you 
do meditate in God's Word. I just want to tell you a little bit about how it happens, how I meditate in God's Word. And, and I'm sure we all you know, have different ways and different ways we read our Bibles and study our Bible. But for me, it has to, almost always has to be in the morning before Anne and Diane get up. Now, they're not particularly noisy people, but it is, it is the house is quiet. And I make a pot of tea, and I sit down with my Bible. And I pray, and I said, Lord, just open your word to me. Help it not to be just reading words on the paper. Uh, make it come alive. Like Steve says, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. You know, teach me. Help me to delight in it. And then as I'm reading, I'm praying, and I'm thinking about it. Now, for example, um, in the, in the, through the Bible book, I was reading about Lot a few days ago. And if you know the story of Lot, the Bible says he was a righteous man. But he was a guy who was doing all this verse 1 stuff, you know, because he was actually living in the city of Sodom. God sent angels to destroy Sodom, and they were to get Lot out of there first. So they say, come on, Lot, you've got to get out of here. We're going to blow the place up. And then Lot's just dragging his feet. He's procrastinating, you know, a little here, a little there. And finally, they just kind of pull him out. And then they say, okay, get to the mountains. We'll be safe in the mountains. But Lot says, not the mountains. Oh, I want to, not the mountains. I'm afraid of the mountains. Let me stay in that little city over there. That's just a little city. I'll stay there. And so the angel said, okay, do what you want. Go there. We won't blow up that one. And so I'm thinking about, gosh, am I like Lot? When God tells me to do something, do I kind of like procrastinate and drag my feet? Tells me to call somebody or, or do something or, or talk to somebody. Am I kind of saying, well, I don't know, you know? Or if he says, you know, go do this, am I going, well, okay, maybe I don't want to do that. I could do this. You know? It's like if God says, go to Nigeria, I want to say, yes, sir. I don't want to say, well, you know, it's a long ways away. I don't know. So I was just seeing that I could be very much like Lot. And, and so, therefore, I'm praying and saying, Lord, help me not to be that way. Help me to, to answer when you call me to do something. You tell me to do something, help me to do it and not be like that. And you see, I'm, I'm growing, I'm learning, I'm praying for God. He's pointing out things in my life that aren't right. Another thing that just really kind of blew me away was uh, Wednesday night we're reading through uh, Hebrews. And I was reading ahead in Hebrews, and uh, Hebrews 13.9, and I was reading this in, the, uh, in, in this thing here, the NIV, and it says, uh, it is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace. And that's not even the whole verse. That's just a little section out of it. And that kind of just lit up to me. And I'm thinking, okay, what does it mean for my heart to be strengthened by grace? I don't know what that means. I, I jotted it down. I carry a little some post-it notes here in my pocket, because unless I write something down, I will not remember it. And I, I wrote it down, and for about a week or so, I was looking at that and thinking about it. What does it mean? Because we don't, usually don't think about being strong through grace. They kind of don't seem like they go together. But so what I'm doing, I'm praying for myself, and I'm saying, Lord, help me to be strengthened by grace. Help me to be strengthened by grace. And I'm on the prayer chain, and when I get the emails to pray for this person or that person because of healing or whatever. I'm praying for them to, for their healing, but I'm also praying, Lord, strengthen them by grace. And I'm, I'm praying for Steve and the other leadership. Lord, strengthen them by grace. 
And, and so that's, you see, that, that by, that's how I do it. Not, I don't like sit there and just think about one verse. And, and you might do it, but it's as I read through the Bible, God speaks to me that way. And I believe that I can see that I'm learning something, I'm getting something from it. And if we set our hearts to that, you know, to, to want to learn, to cry out for understanding, then we will learn. Another way I meditate on God's word is, is to memorize in the Bible. I love to memorize the Bible. And I've memorized, you know, chunks of it here and there. But I don't memorize easy, or it's not easy for me to memorize. I have to go over a passage hundreds of times. And you can do some thinking about it while you're going over it. Now, if you just read to it, you know, you don't see it as much as if you, if you try to memorize it. And I can remember a while back, I was memorizing the fourth chapter of John. And we have the conversation of Jesus with the woman at the well. And um, I'm quoting it while I'm driving down the road. And, and I'm thinking, I'm, I'm saying it in different voices. You know, like, so what kind of, we don't have, when we read the Bible, we don't have the tones of voices in there, right? It doesn't say that. And Jesus sarcastically said. You know, we don't have that. So when Jesus, you know, tells the woman that she's, you know, had five husbands and all this stuff, and, you know, she says, she said, I have no husband. How did she say that? Did she hang her head and say, I have no husband? Or did she get an attitude and say, I have no husband? Well, I don't know. But it was just fun to think about it, and the whole story becomes alive to me. And it's so important. We read throughout the Bible that talks about meditating and meditating and studying and delving into it. So back to Psalm 1. We, we turn away from the sinful stuff. We delight in meditating God's word. Verse 3. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. You drive out through Texas, Arizona, these places, you know, it's all kind of desert, scrubland. You've got Bushes this high, they call trees, right? And, and then you see a little stream or a river. And all along its banks are these huge cottonwood trees, these oak trees. They're tall, they're strong. They are trees in the desert that are growing by the rivers of water. And you see, we live in a spiritual desert. And we need to be close to God's word with roots that go down deep, and then we can grow strong and healthy and bear fruit in the desert. So it, it brings forth its fruit in its season. You will have fruit. And maybe, you know, you've been serving the Lord and faithfully doing what you should be doing, but you, where's, where's the fruit in my life? Well, sometimes there, it's there, but we don't see it. But it just may not be the season. You know, an apple tree doesn't have apples in the winter, Right? So just wait patiently. It bears its fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. Whatsoever he does shall prosper. Once again, we're not talking about prospering financially. We're talking about prospering spiritually, bearing fruit for God, a life that's overflowing to others, a life that's bringing glory to God, where others will come to him and know him and his kingdom through us. Verse 4. The ungodly... Well, time out there before I go. I want to say one other thing about Bible memory while I'm here, while I've got the chance. If you're not memorizing the Bible, if you don't have a project of something you're memorizing in the Bible, I would, I would suggest 
that you do. It has just meant so much to me. And there's so much in the word about hiding God's word in our heart. And you might say, well, I just can't do it. I tried and I can't do it. You know, I'm 66 years old. This brain, I can definitely see it slowing down. But I can do it. But I have to work at it. Now, I'm sure that every one of you here can memorize one word a day. Is that possible? So if you were to memorize Psalm chapter 1, today all you have to remember is blessed. Right? Tomorrow is. Tuesday, the. Maybe you could do two words that day, the man. Now, that's funny but had you done that in September, you could quote the whole thing right now. No? So, I like to set goals that I know I can get to. No. So, don't try memorizing the book of Psalms. You know? Try memorizing a verse or Psalm 1. And just go at it slowly. And I, I, can't, I can't say what a great blessing studying and memorizing God's word has been to me. <clears throat> verse 4. The ungodly are not so but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Of course, the symbolism is of winnowing the grain. You've got the wheat, and uh, you, have the, you, know, you break it up somehow, and you toss it in the air, and the wind blows away the chaff. And that's symbolic, of course, of the people that are not saved, the people that are going to hell. And then the wheat, the grain, that's us. It falls back down. The un- Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Those people will not stand before God's judgments. They will be sent straight to the lake of fire. <clears throat> the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So we're blessed if we you know, separate ourselves as much as we can from the ungodliness of the world. We delight in God's law. We read it, we meditate on it, and it brings forth fruit in our life. We don't have to bring forth the fruit. You know, an apple tree doesn't sit there and think real hard, now I'm going to have apples. It's, it's just a result of God's word working in your life. So to finish up, I would like just to turn over to Proverbs chapter 2, which is the book right after Psalms. We're going to read the first five verses in Proverbs 2. I'll read through the first five verses. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So here we have a father giving instruction to his son. And if we just put ourselves in here, we have God giving instruction to us. My son, my daughter, if you receive my words, we have to receive them. We have to read them. And treasure my commands within you. Think of treasuring those commands. Did we see last week, Steve showed us the film about the tribe and how happy they were. They had God's word in their heart. Uh, last spring, some of us went to a Voice of the Martyrs conference in Northern Virginia, and there was a, a young lady there from China. She must have been 30-ish, and just a short, very uh, 
cute little girl, and she had suffered horribly. Physically tortured, people had beat her up. Um, and she was sharing her testimony and how, how you know, they had to get her out of China just to keep her out of jail. And she showed a video of a house church in China, just a short video. And many of the house churches in China, the in individual people don't have their own Bible. There may be one Bible, and they'll pass it around, or they'll cut out pages and pass it around, and they memorize them. But in this case, somebody had brought in a couple of satchels full of Bibles, and everybody could get their own Bible. And you just see, see the Bibles coming in, the bags, and the kids, the young well, mostly were young, they go up, and they, they, they just kind of rush toward it, and they get a Bible. And then you see them holding it, and then they realize what they've got. They're unwrapping the, the plastic, and then they're starting to cry. You know? And they're saying, this is, this is what we really needed. This is what we really needed. And, you know, we take it for advantage because, you know, we've got, I don't know, I must have a dozen Bibles in my house. And, and that's not our fault. But we, we take it for advantage, and we don't treasure it like we should. So we treasure them, and we treasure them within us. Verse 2, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. We have to realize that we need to know this stuff, or we won't study it. I, uh, well, we lived in Arizona for a year, I guess six or seven years ago. And I always wanted to try to sell cars. So I got a job selling cars. And I was selling Dodge cars. And I knew nothing about Dodge cars. You know. But I studied. You know, I studied it. So if you ask me a question about a Dodge car, I could answer it. I might be able to answer some of them now, but I've forgotten a lot of it. But for my job, it was necessary for me to study it. And for our job and our walks with the Lord, it's necessary for us to study it. We should do the same for God's word as we would for a secular job. We have to realize, we have to apply our hearts to it. Verse 3, yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, Lord, help me to understand. Show me what this is about. This I don't understand it. Show me. Lord, something's wrong with my life. Show me what it is through your word. If we hunger, they that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. If you seek for her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, as if for hidden... Think of the prospector going out, you know, into California in the 19th century looking for that gold mine. You know, gives up everything and goes out and search for it. Verse 5, here's the promise. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Find the knowledge of God. We should be increasing in our knowledge of God. We don't just get saved one time and then it's just, we just, now we're saved, so we just go to church because that's what you do. You know, we should be increasing in our knowledge of God. You look at the disciples of the disciples, examples of the disciples. When they first met Jesus, he was a guy walking along the Sea of Galilee. You know, they followed him. He's a prophet. He's this, and eventually... You know, they, this is, he's more than a man. You see him rise from the dead. You know, then the Holy Spirit comes. And their knowledge of God increased, and ours should be as we continue in his word. So if I was to tell you today, you know, 
that on those 10 acres behind the church, there is treasure buried. I don't know how much it is, but maybe five, maybe $10 million worth. And you're welcome to go, look, if you find it, you can have it. So if I was to tell you that, well, probably most of you would think, yeah, little man, you know, he's crazy like we thought, right? No, you wouldn't go out there and look. And you know, I'm saying there's treasures in this book. And there's many people who will just say, eh, won't, won't even apply themselves, right? Now, some of you may go home, get a rake, and walk back out there, right? And you got your rake, and you say, okay, let me look here, look there, you know, kick over, look under a few rocks, and, you know, spend an hour or so out there and say, nah, you know, if there's something here, it's not worth my time, and go back home. And I think many of us have done that with the scriptures. And we started reading, we get into the begets. You know, Abraham begat Isaac, Isaac begat Jacob, and a couple pages of those, and you think, oh, you know, we stop digging. We walk away. But somebody will go and get their savings, mortgage their house, and buy ground-penetrating radar, right? Rent a backhoe, get out there and mark off grids, and start a systematic search. Keep searching and keep digging until they get it. And I believe that that is the kind of diligence, that is the kind of passion we need to really learn and grow from God's word. He says, if you receive my words, treasure my commands with you, cry out for understanding and discernment, seek her as silver, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Let's pray. Lord, we, we know that we know that you have given us your word. And Lord, we do treasure it, but we want to treasure it more. Lord, we want it to be our daily bread. Lord, we want it to live in us. We want to be able to fill up with it and share it, Lord. And we pray that you would do this work in our heart. Give us that hunger that we need for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So if the people who are passing out communion could, could begin... Also, uh, Redeemed. Redeemed is going to share a song for us about God's majesty. And while they're coming up and getting ready, I am going to share or read Psalm 145. I think Psalm 145 is perhaps my favorite psalm, at least it is this week. It's the last psalm that we have that is attributed to David as the author. And it's, it talks about God and how awesome and how wonderful God is. And then it talks about how we should be in relation to that. Psalm 145, a psalm of David. I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts. I will meditate on the glorious majesty of your splendor, 
and on your wondrous works. Men shall speak of the might of your awesome acts, and I will declare your greatness. They shall utter the memory of your great goodness and shall sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works. All your works shall praise you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord upholds all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look expectantly to you and you give them the food in due season. You open your hands and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, gracious in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He also will hear their cry and save them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord. And all flesh shall bless his holy name forever and ever.